Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Well, welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. We appreciate you being with us today. I'm David Brody. It's Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. It's the beginning of Donald Trump's second impeachment trial And the Democrats have brought in their top chef for the occasion. We're going to call this chef, there he is, Chef Nonsense. Because today, Democrats begin cooking up an impeachment brew. Look at his face. He knows. It contains a mixture of -of of out-of-context video evidence, orange man bad derangement syndrome, and expired meat that smells very unconstitutional. Welcome to impeachment trial 2.0. The U.S. Capitol under lock key and barricade as freedom-loving America looks more like the fortified green zone in Baghdad circa 2003. Also today on the show, President Biden's pick to be budget director Nidra Tandon comes under heavy scrutiny today on Capitol Hill. She's being taken to the cleaners for some of her past social media comments, like, for example, calling Mitch McConnell Moscow Mitch and saying that vampires have more heart than Ted Cruz. (laughs) More on that later. And is Israel in trouble under a Joe Biden presidency? What are we to make of Biden's posture towards Iran? And how is it all playing in the Middle East? We're going to get some answers from Jerusalem. But first, Donald Trump's impeachment trial. Well, look, here we go again. This is going to go all week for sure. It got underway today. I want to play some of what has been going on with David Cicilline from Rhode Island, one of the House impeachment managers. But for the conduct of President Trump, that that a charge in the article of impeachment that that attack at the Capitol would have occurred. Does anybody believe that? And now his lawyers will come before you and insist, even as the Capitol is still surrounded with barbed wires and fences and soldiers, that we should just move on, let bygones be bygones, and allow President Trump to walk away without any accountability, any reckoning, any consequences. That cannot be right. That is not unity. That's the path to fear of what future presidents could do. So there's a good reason why this article of impeachment passed the House with bipartisan support. The principles at stake belong to all Americans from all walks of life. We have a common interest in making clear that there are lines nobody can cross, especially the president of the United States. Well, let's bring in our good friend and a Trump lawyer, Jordan Sekula, with the ACLJ, executive director for the ACLJ, uh, with some analysis. Jordan, always great to see you, sir. Yes, thanks, David. Thanks for having me. Look, this impeachment trial, I mean, a travesty. What, what's, how do you describe exactly what we're going to see this week? It, to me, it's, it's disgusting in a sense that we're putting the country through this uh, yet again. And I feel like with the chief justice not there, when the Senate's, uh, when the, the Constitution's clear, The chief justice has no choice when the president's impeached. It says he shall preside. Uh, The chief justice isn't there, John Roberts, because he had a choice 
not to be there because it's not the president of the United States. And if we're not impeaching the president, who are we impeaching? Donald Trump, the private citizen, or everybody who supported President Trump and the America First agenda that he put forward, the 74 plus million Americans that still support uh, President Trump and or Republicans in general. Uh, th this idea, again, that we are doing this over speech, that we have learned even more information about that these bad actors on January 6th were bad actors planning to do this regardless of whatever came out of Donald Trump's mouth and had nothing to do with that. And they were impeaching a private citizen. It is it is grotesque. You know, we didn't have to have a four-hour debate when I was on the floor of the Senate uh, representing the president in the first impeachment uh, trial about whether or not they could even do it. It was wrong. It was absurd. It was over a phone call. But there was no question and no vote was going to occur over whether they even had the power. That will occur later today. They will have another vote on whether or not they even have the power to be there. And I think it's a key vote, David, because we look to see to the 45 who initially said, no, we don't have the power, all Republicans, do they remain? And if those 45 hold, uh, then you know this is going nowhere but to acquittal eventually, but then we're going to drag the country through the mud still. Yeah, Jordan, do you expect those 45 to hold? I'm assuming McConnell will, will vote the same way. Everybody's looking at McConnell's vote. Yeah, I mean, I, I have not heard anything different from the McConnell's office over this, and especially the way that the uh, president's legal team handling the impeachment have laid out their case and even their defense of uh, January 6th and the, this this charge of incitement uh, in the in the impeachment has been very much about the, the First Amendment. And it's not about relitigating the election. It's not about relitigating voter fraud and these issues like that, um, that you that people like Mitch McConnell respect the, the, the Senate. And I don't think they're going to be reconvinced by this. There was one senator, David, uh, you know, Senator Portman, who's retiring from Ohio, mm -hmm. said he wished he had more time before that first vote uh, that, that was put forward on whether or not they had jurisdiction. So today's going to get two hours from each side. Uh, one side arguing you do, one side arguing you don't. That doesn't mean he's going to vote ultimately to uh, mm -hmm. uh, convict. None of those five necessarily mean they'll actually convict, yeah. but uh, whether or not they should even be there. That's a big dog and pony show is what it is. But, uh, hey, Jordan, I, I've got to ask you, if you listen to the, to the I'm not going to call them the mainstream media. If you listen to the liberal media out there, all we hear about the constitutionality on this is like across a wide spectrum, constitutional uh, experts say it is constitutional to go ahead and do that. I'm like, what are they talking about? Where in the Constitution? I'm missing the language in the Constitution that says something like this is okay. No, it's it's at best. We wrote a 45-page memo that we put forward through the ACLJ uh, that just on the constitutional issue, and we're honest in it. Even if you see this as a gray area, this is a decision point for the Senate. Even if you go there and you don't agree with our position that it is unconstitutional, that the power is not there, they lack it, and you believe it's a gray area, why do you go this route in the gray area? Why does the Senate choose this route that that is questionable? Constitute that puts the whole issue in question and cheapens something that has such a high bar that no one has ever been convicted. No, no president has been convicted by impeachment. Lower officials, judges, people like that have, but but no president. And and we we've also we look at this issue that literally the House managers are arguing that they have the constitutional power to do this, but when the president defends himself with the First Amendment, it doesn't apply. Right. So that part of the Constitution doesn't apply. And, I, you know, another a person you have frequently on here, uh, Professor Dershowitz, who was with us on that first impeachment team, uh, made the argument, well, what about then could you impeach someone over their religion? Because mm -hmm. the Constitution bars that, 
But if you don't, if the First Amendment doesn't apply, if they're not bound by the Constitution, what are they bound by? And they're opening this door today because yeah. the vote will fail and they will move on with the trial. And now you can impeach former former officials, including presidents of the United States. Yeah. Jordan, I want to play eight seconds from Donald J. Trump on January 6th. This will not be evidence at all that you'll see from Democrats. Here is his eight seconds. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. There it is, Jordan. Uh, peacefully and patriotically inciting a an insurrection. What in the right. world is going on in this country? Because they want to play, David, the other part, which is the only part they'll play, which is the part where he says you've got to fight to keep your country. And I mean, right. I would think about how many times I'm on radio every day, I'm on broadcast, I, I say, use the word fight, and no one is going to punch us. And if someone does, you know, it, it's we don't blame Bernie Sanders for that shooter. Uh, at the congressional of the, of the congressional Republicans, right? I feel bad for Bernie Sanders that that person said it was because of his rhetoric that that he did that. That's a that's someone who again we don't blame though Bernie Sanders. I feel bad for him. The president again using words like that, then you can impeach everybody and also throw out every senator and every House member just because of the language they use in their fundraising letters mm -hmm. and their mm -hmm. fundraising emails. So yeah. it's it's just, it's but this is about relitigating Donald Trump again. And Joe Biden is 100% behind it. He's even behind uh, dragging the former president up to uh, force him to testify. Right. And this is the great uniter of our country. That's why I was so sick and everybody said, oh, this speech was so wonderful. Words uh, mean little, uh, even in our country. They're protected. They mean little. These actions that they are taking on the Democrat side, wow. it's, it's, it's just as bad, just as divisive. This has been orange man bad since he came down the escalator. I don't think there's any question about it for sure. Yeah. How about Nancy Pelosi? Uh, how about this tweet? Remember this, Diddy? This is Nancy Pelosi in 2017. Yeah. Our election was hijacked. Huh. She sounds like Donald Trump. There is no yeah, question. Go ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Jordan? No, she didn't get banned from Twitter for questioning the electoral process of, of, our, of our president. You know, she's allowed to use language like that. And just because she doesn't have, she's not as popular, uh, she doesn't have as big of a voice, uh, as big of a public following, or it's just because she's a liberal. I mean, this is, this is again, relitigating Donald Trump. Still, it's, it's harassment of a, first it was of a, before he was president, they tried to take him out. While he was president, they tried to take him out. Loses an election, questions about that. And then he peacefully goes away. And he's he's quiet, and they're still going after him. And it's it's Donald Trump who's going to take center stage, unfortunately, for the next at least week and a half, and maybe yeah. longer if they have witnesses. Not Joe Biden's unity or COVID relief. And when all of this is said and done, he's going to defeat this again. He's going to defeat impeachment. He'll, he'll, he'll be acquitted. We know the deal. I wonder if Democrats, they think they're doing something smart. They're being too cute by half. I wonder if they're just making him even that much stronger. I got about 30 seconds. Yeah, well, I, I think they are because I think it's it, it's I don't compare Donald Trump to Lazarus, but it is another like <laughs> Lazarus moment, right? He's you're bringing him back and he's not having to say a word. You put his supporters <laughs> back together. You're reorganizing MAGA and he is just playing golf. So I don't know what they're thinking. It's not because they've got to deal with it's not just if he's going to run again for president, yeah. but their midterm elections where they're barely hanging on to power. Or else they could you could stop every part of this agenda with a couple of vote switches here in the Senate and just a handful in yeah. the House. And basically the Biden presidency is over before it started. 
Jordan Seculo, great to always have your insight. Thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it, sir. Thanks, David. All right, that's Jordan Seculo uh, breaking it down. Uh, not going with the Lazarus comparison, but kind of in a way. Anyhow, how about Donald Trump? He loves to hold records. He'll hold the record for defeating impeachment and witch hunts. He wins, everybody. Nathan Gonzalez. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to the water cooler, uh, everybody. I would say it's 2020, but it's not. It's 2021, but it's impeachment day all over again. It's like impeachment day has turned into Groundhog Day. Uh, that's pretty much what it's become. Uh, let's bring in Nathan Gonzalez, uh, editor of Inside Elections. Uh, Nathan, always great to have you back on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I guess I want to start with a overall view of uh, what you see transpiring uh, in the impeachment uh, trial today and, and maybe some of the political ramifications that may come from it, because uh, who knows exactly how this is going to play out politically for some of these senators. Yeah, well, you know, the trial got started today, and, and I think that if we fast forward all the way to the end, I'm, I'm still not sure that there are the 17 Republican votes necessary uh, to, to convict the president. Um, but what stuck what stuck out to me at the very beginning is when the Democrats played the video, you know, a video compilation of a lot of the things that transpired on January 6th and try to put together a timeline. And what stuck out to me is I'm not sure, um, you know, to what extent these Republican senators specifically, you know, have digested all of the information. I mean, we're all in our media bubbles and in our, our information bubbles. And, you know, I don't know how much of that footage may have been new or surprising to these senators and, and if that is enough to, to change their mind. But we have, a, I'd say we have a long way to go. We at least have a few days left in the trial. But uh, I think there are some key senators that, that we should be looking at to see if, if the dam is really going to break or not. Um, because right now it looks like the president, uh, you know, is, will not be convicted. Who are those senators that we should keep our eye out uh, on uh, specifically, would you say? Well, I think one senator is South Dakota Senator John Thune. You know, John Thune is a member of the Senate leadership. You know, he's he's kind of an establishment as you get. Um, but he did get heat from President Trump uh, for acknowledging Vice President, well, then Vice President Biden's victory in December. And, and the president tweeted about him and said he's going to get primaried. Now, the natural thing to do is to go to South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, who is turning into a rock star. In, on, in Republican circles and have her primary the senator. I think the challenge for her, that might be in the president's best interest, but it, it might not be in her best interest. You know, she's probably, she's going to be up for re-election in 2022. She's probably going to win easily if she, you know, if she indeed decides to run. That's a much safer bet if she wants to keep going and, and kind of uh, cultivating her star quality rather than a much more risky primary against a senator. You know, we, we talked last week about Ru Marco Rubio and Ivanka, and just how difficult it is to, to defeat senators. So I think the desire is there from President Trump to primary him, but he, um, uh, but it, he has to have a candidate. And so I think looking at Thune, and if Thune votes to convict, that could be a sign that other 
kind of establishment senators that we haven't heard from may uh, may also follow along. Well, I want to get to Christy Nome in a moment, a follow up on that. But on John Thune, it's interesting because he's up, right? He's up in 2022, obviously. Right. And what did he win? He, I think he was over 70 percent. I mean, he, you know, he was he did very well, right? I mean, he didn't have any sort of race at all in 2016, I guess. Correct. Yeah. And, and Democrats have even struggled to find any opponent against him. And his vulnerability would be in a primary. That's why our, our ears perk up when we hear that we saw President Trump you know, go after him a month or so ago. Uh, but it's you can't just uh, it's going to take more than a tweet uh, to defeat him. And but this vote, you know, will will be telling. Uh, but if if the, if Republicans, we have to remember through all this, if Republicans go along with Democrats to convict the president, and he's then the president is not allowed to seek further office. I think that throws this whole uh, the dynamic with the Republican Party into question because then the president will have to. I think he'll choose to use another vehicle. To kind of uh, pursue his agenda rather than the traditional Republican Party. Yeah, you know, Nathan, you and I have been doing this a long time. It's it's shocking and just interesting as well to me to see John Thune. You know, D Donald Trump taking a shot at John Thune. I mean, John Thune was like your 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 ultimate uh, like conservative guy. I mean, he's I mean he's not a he's not a flamethrower. Uh, and and I understand he's now in leadership, but at the same time, I mean, this guy is like as rock rib conservative as you can get. Uh, it's just kind of interesting to see how the party uh, has changed so much in in what now ten years or less. Yeah, and this is a good example of how the terms we've been using for many years don't really mean the same thing. We're not really talking about is John Thune conservative or not. We're talking about is he sufficiently loyal to President Trump? And in President Trump's mind, he has not been sufficiently loyal mm -hmm. uh, to him. And so those terms are, are getting confused a little bit. And that's where you see someone like Nebraska Senator Ben Sass right. trying to go back to what conservatism was, you know, in, in the pre-Donald Trump era. But, but Nathan, you, you say, that, I shouldn't say but, you say a loyalty to Donald Trump. And I think even more broadly, it's a, it's a different Republican Party than John Thune uh, new 10 years ago. I mean, th this is Donald Trump's Republican Party is not the, the, the GOP from 10 years ago. This is a different party, which means there's a different political calculation for not just John Thune, but many other senators and congressmen out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, <laughs> that President Trump is still the most popular person within the Republican Party. He has more leverage with um, these uh, with Republican voters than what these senators or these Republican House members have with their own constituents. So the, this that is the tension. That is why you see, the, I think, as much reluctance to oppose the president, to vote to convict him. Uh, because if, if President Trump wasn't as popular with Republicans, you would see more senators oppose him. You wouldn't see this much um, fear or tension yeah. from these elected officials. Uh, be, before we let you go, I want to circle back to Christy Nome real quick. Uh, I, I've known Christy Nome for a while. I've actually been out at her ranch. I did a profile story of her and her husband out there. So I know her pretty well. She's got an interesting decision to make because she is, as you say, up for governor in 2022. She probably went by a landslide. There's been talk of her possibly running for president. Uh, do, do you have any sense of where where she goes at this point? Because would she then, could she do a Sarah Palin, I mean, kind of like run for governor, win go the governorship, and then just say, I'm moving on and running for president in two years? I mean, that would be kind of weird. Yeah, it would be, uh, I guess it might feel weird if you immediately announce you're running for president right after winning re-election, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, I'm, hmm. she's never consulted me for advice, but I think <laughs> the, first, the first step to running for president in 2024 is winning in 2022. So you still have a platform, you still have 
uh, a way to to demonstrate your abilities, you know, in this case, governing uh, the state of South Dakota. And then in 2024, you know, there are going to be, uh, I guess, absent President Trump, uh, there are going to be at least a couple of dozen people who are going to be running. And it's going to be the it's going to be the Wild West, even though we're talking about the upper <laughs> plains states. But uh, you know, it's, it's tough to gauge how, you know, her her ability to win the nomination without really knowing the full scope of the field and, yeah. and what is the national political environment. Nathan Gonzalez, always great to see you. And I like that globe behind you. I mean, that globe is, you know, it's your signature, Nathan. You're spanning the globe with all information. I love it. <laughs> I should I should have it be a, 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 a something for viewers. They can try to see where it is every time I come on. Oh, that's good. That's good. Can we sponsor, Madison, can we get a sponsor for that? No, never mind. All right. Stay tuned. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, Nathan, working on the globe <laughs> as we speak. By the way, he's not. he doesn't work for the globe. I just want to make that clear, by the way. All right, back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, welcome back to The Water Cool, everybody. Uh, we're obviously impeachment heavy today, and I'm personally pretty heavy, but that's a separate dietary issue. I, I want to deal with Israel and Iran and the relationship between the two now that uh, Donald Trump is no longer in office and we have a new president, President Joe Biden. And who better to discuss all of that with than uh, my good friend Joel Rosenberg. He's editor-in-chief of All Israel News and author of the novel, The Beirut Protocol. I mean, Joel churns out the books like you wouldn't believe. They're, they are great reads. Joel, great to see you there from Israel. Great to be with you from Jerusalem. Happy to happy to chat with you. We need to get you back once our airport's open and COVID is no more. I'm ready, yeah, I'm ready to go and save some falafel for me. Do me a favor. Uh, all right, uh, what, what, let's start with a 30,000-foot view. Uh, Biden's in, Trump is out. What's the, the take on the streets of Israel, if you will, as to what that means for Israel? Donald Trump was enormously popular here in Israel because he didn't just say nice things about Israel. Most presidents do. President Obama accepted. He was a train wreck with, uh, with the Israeli people. At one point, he was, Obama was down to 4% approval ratings. Wow. But Donald Trump became enormously popular because it wasn't just rhetoric. He actually did a whole series of very, very positive moves here. And so uh, now the way he left office, uh, not to get into your last uh, few segments, but uh, shocked people here. But but Israelis don't have strong opinions one way or the other in terms of impeachment or not impeachment. The question is, there's concern. Biden is widely considered not Obama. They People here aren't scared that he's going to be a train wreck in terms of chemistry or his love for Israel, but his judgment. It's going to be about judgment, and, and, and it's going to be about does he get into a deal with Iran that's as bad or worse uh, than his predecessor, his, his president before Obama, or has he and his team learned some lessons and they're going to be much savvier? I don't know. I am skeptical, but I'm trying not to be cynical. 
Well, I want to pick up on that because he had that interview with Nora O'Donnell from 60 Minutes or CBS, excuse me, where he said that he's not going to lift sanctions uh, until Iran gets their act together from a, a nuclear enrichment standpoint. So therefore, what are we supposed to make of that? It seems like he's, I mean, I have no idea what he wants to do. It sounds to me, Joel, personally, like Biden wants to do some sort of 2.0 Iran nuclear deal is what he wants to do. He does want to do that. And, that, and he said through the campaign that he would do a 2.0 nuclear deal, meaning, uh, and I've talked to a number of his uh, close current and former advisors uh, for All Israel News, our new site, um, because I'm trying to get into the mind of people who know him and are going to be able to help me understand where he's going. Um, look, I think Biden does not want to deal with Iran. He's got COVID to deal with. He's got the economy to deal with. He's got a lot of domestic issues to deal with. Iran is not an issue he wants to deal with, but Iran is forcing themselves on the agenda. They're enriching uranium above or at the 20% line, which is, according to some experts, the very red line that Prime Minister Netanyahu in 2012 told the UN, if you go there, it's going to trigger Israeli airstrikes. That's a big deal. Now, I'm being told by senior Israeli defense officials, no, they don't think Iran is quite at that red line, but they're getting close. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of concern that that what if, you know, you just said that uh, Biden, you know, gave a good uh, message to, to Nora O'Donnell. That's true. Meaning he said, I'm not going to remove sanctions on Iran until Iran stops enriching high enriched uranium. That's good if he means it. Yeah. The problem is President Obama gave us a whole list of things that he would never let Iran do and then signed a deal that allowed them to do almost all of them. Mm -hmm. Joel, what's the view inside the Knesset? What about Netanyahu and his relationship with Biden? What kind of political atmosphere is there as it relates to this new administration? Well, David, that's a great question because historically, Prime Minister Netanyahu and now President Biden have had a great relationship. They disagree on a lot of things, mm -hmm. but they've had a warm personal relationship. But as you and I tape this interview, President Biden has not called the Prime Minister of Israel like weeks are going by. That has never happened. I can't think of a single example. What do you make the, of that? In modern era in which an American president wouldn't call the leader of his most important Middle Eastern ally. What are we supposed to make of that, uh, Joel? Uh, he's busy. No, I, <laughs> I, 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 I think that it's a signal. Uh, I think it's a signal. It's certainly being read here as a signal that uh, Bibi Netanyahu, you think you're so special, we'll get to you uh, eventually. Mm -hmm. But I think the other issue is I don't think Biden and his team have a, an answer for the question that Netanyahu is going to ask, which is what are you going to do with Iran? And won't you let us, Israel, and our Arab allies in the region be part of the conversation in helping you craft that strategy? I don't think Biden has an answer to that yet. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a problem because Iran is forcing itself onto the agenda. Yeah, and Joel, uh, we've got about a minute or so left, but th it does seem as we move into this new Middle East, and I call it a bit of a newly aligned Middle East with what Donald Trump has done with so many of these different Middle East peace accords and the Abraham Accords. So what, 
How does that factor into all of this? That, that sounds like three-dimensional chess to a degree. It is, but, but Biden should be taking advantage of it. Right. Biden has spoken very positively of these Arab-Israeli peace deals, the Abraham Accords, but he's not, but, but, but every single leader of the Arab world that is, wants peace with Israel is telling Biden the same thing that Netanyahu is. Come and talk to us. Let us be part of this. We're terrified of Iran getting the bomb. Don't ice us out the way President Obama did that led to this horrific deal that we have. 30, 30 seconds or so. Uh, what's your sense of how this might play out? And not that you're going to be a, a fortune teller here in four years, but uh, where are you on the meter of this goes well, this doesn't go well, or status quo? Well, I'm not insane, so I'm not going to play the Russian roulette. You, <laughs> we just don't know. Look, I, I will say as an evangelical, I'm praying for this new president. Yep. I'm going to be against him on on he's he's pro-abortion, he's he's pro-transgender, he's you know got a big. I'm against all of that, but I need him to be good on something. Yeah. Israel and the Middle East, Iran <laughs> would be a good area to try to do something bipartisan. Yeah. Let's pray for him. All right, Joel, I really appreciate you. Uh, such a straight shooter. Uh, Joel, thanks for being here and good luck with, uh, you have your new book out, the, Bar uh, the Beirut Protocol. Thanks again, Joel. My pleasure. All right, uh, Joel Rosenberg, staying up late uh, in Israel there in Jerusalem. Love Jerusalem, back in a moment. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, there's uh, other news of the day, by the way, besides just impeachment. Just impeachment. Listen to me. I'm talking like like it's uh, like, uh, I don't know, it's like a slice of uh, pastrami. Yeah, it's just impeachment. Who cares? All right. Uh, but we, we care. Don't worry. We'll be here all week long. Um, Nidra Tandon. You might have heard of her. She has been nominated by President Biden to be budget director. She said a few things on Twitter, not very nice about conservatives, like, for example, calling a uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, Moscow Mitch, and I can go down the list. She said that, uh, you know, she compared Ted Cruz to vampires. I mean, nasty stuff. Anyhow, it was her confirmation hearing today, and some U.S. senators had a few words with her. Here it is. To work with them. Just to mention a few of the thousands of negative public statements, you wrote that Susan Collins is, quote, the worst, that Ted, Tom Cotton is a fraud, that vampires have more heart than Ted Cruz. Uh, you called Leader McConnell, Moscow Mitch, and Voldemort, um, and on and on. I, I wonder specifically, how do you plan to mend fences and build relationships with members of Congress you have attacked through your public statements? Senator, uh, I very much appreciate that question. I recognize the concern. I deeply regret and apologize for my language and some of my past language. Um, I recognize that this role is a bipartisan role, and I know I have to earn the trust of senators across the board. Uh, I will work uh, very aggressively to, to uh, meet that concern. Um, I know the last four years or the last few years have been pretty polarizing, uh, and I 
hope uh, that we can work um, to address the country's challenges in a bipartisan and nonpartisan manner. I'm trying not to laugh, but Mitch McConnell is Voldemort. <laughs> Look, needs your tandem. Tandem. She's a Democrat, but maybe some Republicans <clears throat> maybe feel that way as well. But that's a whole other segment, isn't it? All right, uh, let's move on to, ready? Here we go. I'm going to shout it. The poll of the day. The water cooler. Poll of the day. That guy is an hourly full-time employee that's doing that right there. All right, uh, let's get to the poll of the day. How likely is it? that the coronavirus was created in a bioresearch lab. Look at these numbers. 42% say it was very likely. Wow, that's high. 23% say somewhat likely. 12% say not very likely. 9% say not at all likely. 14% say, why are you calling me? I'm in the busy, I'm busy, I'm not sure. So look at that number, 42 and 23, I'm gonna add it up. Boom, 65% think it's likely that the coronavirus was created in a bioresearch lab. Huh, that's interesting. Let's bring in uh, Dr. Jay uh, Bhattacharya, a professor of medicine at Stanford University. Did I get your last name right, Dr. Jay? Did perfect. I do it? Absolutely what? perfect. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I'm impressed with myself, so thank you so much. As well you should be, David. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, by the way, I'd just be curious. Now, we have you on. We were going to have you talk about a few other coronavirus-related issues, but that, that poll is interesting. 65% of people think that this virus uh, likely was created in a bioresearch lab in Wuhan. That, does that surprise you? I mean, it's, that's becoming a more and more mainstream view. I think New York Magazine had a piece on it. Uh, uh, it's not just a fringe uh, conspiracy theory. I think there's some, I mean, I don't know what happened there. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think anyone outside of the people in the know really know yet. Um, but it does seem like that's a live possibility. Yeah. Dr. Jay, I, we brought you on because of this, uh, this uh, great Barrington Declaration that's been taken down. Why don't you explain a little bit about what's happening here? This is, uh, well, why don't you explain the history here? Facebook is, has removed the page of, of, of international disease experts that are critical of COVID lockdown. It's called the Great Barrington Declaration. Explain this, uh, Dr. Jay. Sure. Uh, so, we, you know, your audience knows about the Great Barrington Declaration. It's calling for a very different strategy toward the, the, the pandemic, uh, protecting the vulnerable uh, and then uh, recognizing the time from lockdowns. Um, the face, we had a Facebook page, a very active one, um, where we would communicate with the public about uh, you know, new, new research findings and so on. Um, we posted uh, last week a, a link to an article that I had written in, in December arguing for using the vaccines to protect the vulnerable, like using the, basically a very pro-vaccination kind of thing. It, uh, there were a lot of people that started commenting on it that were opposed to vaccines in general, uh, although I think the evidence for this vaccine is quite good. Um, in any case, uh, uh, it was a robust discussion. I mean, it's sort of exactly what you expect in a, in a site that's talking about controversial scientific topics. Um, and uh, Facebook, without warning, just took it down, took the whole page down. They sent us a suspension notice. I mean, we didn't, I mean, we don't even, we don't know why. Uh, I mean, it's, it was a pro-vaccination message that led to the taking down of the site. Um, hmm. It's really strange. I mean, I think uh, this is one of these things where, like, uh, scientific censorship, censorship of scientific views is, is uh, I mean, it's like, you know, the, the, the key to the age of enlightenment is that we can talk about scientific views openly without this kind of uh, fear of censorship. Um, I think we're sort of headed backwards, you yeah, know, hundreds yeah. of years. And we don't know why exactly. Do you, do you have any reason for it at this point from Facebook? 
No. They just they, they give us a, a notice of, of suspension and then the, the page was just taken down. And the last post was this uh, pro-vaccination message. This has gotten a lot of traffic out there before this. I mean, in other words, th th this was well known. I mean, this this is a pretty shocking uh, where we're going uh, in, in big tech here. Yeah, I don't really understand it. I mean, I think why would it be uh, against? They said that the, the, the notification said it was against community standards. Like, what is against community standards to have an open scientific discussion? Is that right. really truly what the, the the position Facebook is taking that um, you can't have a, 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 an open discussion about uh, important scientific uh, you know facts? I just I don't. I mean, especially since we're not anti-vaccine, we're pro-vaccine. Like we we. You know, we're, we we had a we put up a post saying we're pro vaccine. I don't. I just it's it's mind boggling to me. Do, do you think it had to do therefore with the comments that were coming in? You think that that was the reason it was flagged? It's possible, but like I've never heard of a Facebook post or page being taken down because of commenters. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. Like it. it uh, and in any case, you know. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to like demonize people who who have different opinions about. I mean, there's people who want the vaccine for for children, even though I've been tested in children. I don't. I'm not in favor of that. Right. Um, I mean, I think there's a range of, of acceptable opinions and and thoughts. We should have a robust debate. That's the purpose, I think, of, of having a site like that. Why would you take it down? I mean, just, just to stop the debate from happening. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Dr. J, I'd love to get you back on as soon as possible here with an update on what, what's happening there. A lot of people want to know that information. I really appreciate your time. Yep, thank you. All right, Dr. J, uh, Bhattacharya, I did it. I did it again, second time. Dr. J, thank you so much. All right, I appreciate it. All right, when we come back, the last sip. I've got a few things to say about Donald Trump. Boy, do I have a few things to say about Trump and impeachment. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to the water cooler. I'm off on the timing for some reason. What do I do? Anyhow, today, uh, let's do the last sip. Why not? Okay, uh, House impeachment managers are arguing the case today in the Senate because it's Donald Trump's impeachment trial. Whoop-de-doo, 2.0. He's going to be acquitted. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Whatever. We'll get to it later. Uh, earlier today, we heard from David Cicilline, uh, one of the House impeachment managers, arguing the case against President Trump. Let's have a look. I understand why President Trump and his lawyers don't want you to hear this case, why they don't want you to see the evidence. But the argument that you lack jurisdiction rests on a purely fictional loophole, purely fictional, designed to allow the former president to escape all accountability for conduct that is truly indefensible under our Constitution. You saw the consequences of his actions on the video that we played earlier. I'd like to emphasize in still greater detail the extraordinary constitutional offense that the former president thinks you have no power whatsoever to adjudicate. 
while spreading lies about the election outcome and a brazen attempt to retain power against the will of the American people, he incited an armed, angry mob to riot. And not just anywhere, but here. Yeah, 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 arms, I bet. Blah, blah, blah. Come on. I'm sorry. I hate to sound like a seven-year-old, but uh, he says lies and lies. Wait a minute. Lies? Let me check the court record. Let me see how many courts uh, decided. Oh, look. No courts even took the case. They didn't take the case at all. The cases. No court decided any of this. They didn't even take it up. What if they did? They didn't. So there's that. Uh, and uh, let, me, let me write something. He said, uh, talk about conduct of President Trump. Here, I've got eight seconds of conduct right here that I want to play. Donald Trump, in his own words, talking about being peaceful and patriotic. Here's eight seconds, Democrats. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully, patriotically, not part of the Democrat evidence, folks, not part. It's a sham. The whole thing is ridiculous. And as the chef at the top of the show said, that chef was stirring stuff. You know what? Democrats are stirring it. They know it. They think it's orange man bad. Watch out. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Everybody, it's the end of the show, and I gotta tell you, if it's the end of the show, I have to say, I'm not gonna say poll of the day, I'm gonna say Daniel Payne, where are you? Writer at, oh, look at that, writer at justthenews.com, there he is. Daniel, good to see you, sir. Dave, always good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, look, the World Health Organization, Oiga Volt, is out with uh, some news here today. They're basically saying, no, most likely what, that the virus uh, did not come from that lab in Wuhan? What, what are they saying, Daniel? Yeah, there's been a lot of speculation uh, over the past year that the uh, COVID-19 virus may have emerged from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, that lab, which studies infectious diseases, including coronaviruses, is located just a few miles from where the Chinese government says the outbreak originated. So there's been lots of speculation that the, that the virus may have broken out of that lab through some containment breach. Now, a World Health Organization investigatory team was conducting research in Wuhan and said this week that it's unlikely that the virus, in fact, emerged from that lab. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a big statement from a pretty important group. Well, uh, an important group, Daniel, but also a group that has t had its fair share of criticism led by the former president, Donald Trump, who really put a dent in the credibility of the World Health Organization. Yeah, and also the, the other interesting aspect of that group is that uh, one of its members, the only U.S. representative on the investigatory team, his name is Peter Dajek, he heads a nonprofit called EcoHealth Alliance. And that group actually received millions of dollars in funding from the National Institutes of Health. And it took some of those millions of dollars and gave it to none other than the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So there's a potential conflict of interest there that I don't think the, the World Health Organization is satisfactorily resolved yet. Well, I got about 20 seconds or so, but we had a poll up earlier in the show saying there's actually a majority of people, over 60 percent of folks, that believe this virus was created. There it is. How likely is that 
The coronavirus was created in a bioresearch lab. Look at that. I mean, if you add up 42 and 20, that's about 65% say it was likely. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, just the proximity of the lab to where the outbreak originated and the work the lab has done in the past, a lot of people are naturally going to come to that conclusion. Yeah. All right. Well, Daniel Payne, great to see you as always. You know, and I mean that sincerely. You realize that. It's always a pleasure, Dave. And uh, thank you for having me and both my closets on here today. <laughs> so you started it with the closet. I was going to say something, <laughs> but you said it. All right. Thank you, uh, Daniel Payne. Uh, I thank you. The chef thanks you. Not Chef Boyer D, but the uh, uh, chef nonsense is what we're calling him. Uh, he's here all week, by the way, because of impeachment. All right. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Eric Metaxas and Rick Green. See you then. Bye-bye.